the way the oil company is doing right now, you know, we don't need to go to we don't need to go to uh, the coastal plain. We don't need to do that. This is Gideon James. He lives in Arctic Village, Alaska, which is way up north, right on the edge of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. He's talking about the prospect of drilling for oil and gas there. The issue is the corporation ripoff that's been keep happening, and uh, our legislators just they're just a puppet to that. Gideon is Gwich'in. His community depends on the caribou that use the coastal part of the refuge as a calving ground. And right now, on December 6th, legislation is making its way through Congress that would open this sensitive area to oil and gas exploration. They think. They think that's, uh, that's progress. That's not progress. This is Amy Martin, and Gideon is just one of the fascinating people I met this summer when I was reporting across the Arctic for season two of our show. That's right. Season two of Threshold is all about the Arctic. We're going to take you camping on the Greenland ice sheet, hiking through a forest in Sweden to learn about the Sami people. We'll go to Norway, Alaska. It's going to be kind of epic. And we are so excited to give you a really personal experience of this super important region, including answering the question, why is it a super important region? I mean, there's this growing awareness that the Arctic matters, but most of us probably can't explain exactly why. I think season two is going to fix that, and I think it's going to be fun. We're aiming for a May release, so stay tuned. But before we completely surrender ourselves to tales from the North, all of us here at Threshold decided to take a look back at season one. And when we stared into those big brown bison eyes, we found ourselves saying, I can't quit you. So we've put together three more Buffalo-themed extras to share with you, which we're going to roll out here in these last few weeks of 2017. And we're starting with you. Many of you called into our bison hotline last spring to share your stories with Buffalo. Big thanks to everyone who took the time to do that. We couldn't share every story here, but in a moment you'll hear from Daniel, Tyler, Kent, Alicia, and Chris. But first, here's Threshold intern Zoe Rome with her own bison story. I recently went on this road trip that took me through the Dakotas and Wyoming. And bison were everywhere, or at least pictures of them were everywhere. I saw bison images on road signs, billboards, license plates, ball caps, and I even saw one stuffed and mounted inside of a truck stop wearing a cowboy hat. And then finally, I got to see the real thing, a big bison standing near the road all by itself. I was driving out of Theodore Roosevelt National Park. It was snowing and clumps of white flakes were sticking to its hair and piling up on its back. I could see its breath hanging in the air like a thick swirling mist around its head. I pulled over and got out of my car and just looked at it. And it looked at me and we just stood there for a while looking at each other. I understand why we like to put pictures of bison everywhere. They're beautiful and instantly recognizable. But there's such a huge difference between a small, flat image and the living, breathing, three-dimensional animal. I was completely captivated, and it was really hard to get in my car and drive away. And from listening to your stories, I know I'm not the only one who feels this way. I grew up in Montana, and every summer we went on vacation to Yellowstone National Park. And I'll never forget the yellow slips of paper that they gave to you when you came into the park that featured a picture 
of a tourist being gored by a bison from behind and he's flying up into the air very dramatically and it looks incredibly painful and frightening. I remember learning what the word gore meant, um, to be gored by a bison, and I'll never forget those little yellow slips of paper that they gave out. My family took our first trip to Yellowstone when I was, uh, I think, eight or nine years old. And I remember driving into the park, the very first bison that we saw, we of course stopped the car and all of the kids in the car had pressed our face against the glass and we were so excited to see this huge animal crossing the road. He kind of like looked right back at us through the window and made eye contact with me and my cousins and, and he kept walking a little further down the road and then he turned around uh, and lifted his tail and took a huge poop uh, right on the yellow line in the middle of the road. And uh, then he hurried off the road and uh, rejoined his herd. Um, my mom would later say that the bison was expressing his opinion of uh, tourists in Yellowstone. I crawled out of bed a very cold winter morning and went over to the corner window, looked out, directly into the huge eyeball of a big bull bison that was standing in our yard between the house and the creek. And I thought, okay, good morning, you. I'm a Native American. I'm a rancher. I'm a part of the CS and KT tribe. I go to the Gardner area and I hunt buffalo every year. And I do love the buffalo. They're amazing creatures. They touch my heart. They mean much to me. I don't necessarily like killing them, but I appreciate what they give back. I want them on my land, on, on the land that I lease. I have cattle, I have longhorn cattle, they're great, but to me, the land does belong to the buffalo. They were here first. They do belong here. I think it's fair to share the land, and I do wish I could see them roaming especially on my reservation, because I live on a reservation and, and they belong here. Buffalo absolutely positively deserve a place in Montana. No, no doubt about it. They're amazing animals and they give back so much. must have been about five or so in the morning when I slowly opened my eyes to behold the rising sun lighting the eastern sky. I propped my head up while still zipped in my sleeping bag to watch the unfolding picture, when all of a sudden a deep, low, rumbling grunt bellowed right behind me, shaking my being wide awake. I was almost <clears throat> afraid to turn around. There, only ten feet away, was the shadow of a moving mountain. I realized that it was a lone old bull bison. We looked at each other for some time, and I, being a newcomer, was unsure of what his next move would be. After several minutes, he continued grazing, slowly walking away, and I, deeply humbled, was given my official welcome to the West. I believe any personal experience with bison is a blessing. To me, this animal will always be the link between the grounded earth and the ethereal spirit world. I hold them close to my heart. Thank you very much. 
If our style of in-depth, on-the-ground reporting about the environment is something you value, please consider joining our mighty crew of monthly donors on Patreon. Right now, 27 generous and extremely good-looking people donate there to help make Threshold happen. We're aiming to add six more people to that list before the end of the year. Maybe you're one of them. Go to thresholdpodcast.org and click support. Thank you.